What's up, everyone? Welcome to the weekly football trio cast. My name is Austin Casal, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Anthony No. What it do, baby? And also Giovanni Falzone. What's up, guys? Welcome back in. And let's get straight into the news and notes from around the league. First off, I just want to say this real quick. I don't want to talk about it too long. Antonio Brown, I just want to ask you guys real quick. We all know what's going on. Nobody needs to know the story. I just want to know your guys' opinion. Do you think he plays again in the NFL? He's done. He's done. Chalk it up. He's going to be one of the greatest to have to turn into a has-been. From all-pro first team to out of the league within a couple months. All because of his own doing. Yeah, I think Antonio Brown, this is a guy who clearly has a lot of internal stuff going on. He hasn't taken any blame. It's Ben Roethlisberger. It's Mike Tomlin. It's anyone he can point the finger at. It's Robert Kraft. It's It's whoever he can point the finger at. So I think this is a wrap on his NFL career unless he does take some blame moving forward and says, you know what, I'll give it another shot. But this is the fall, the quickest fall we have seen in, in a, a star like this in a long time. Yeah, I, I agree, because I was going to mention that, that the guy went from arguably the best receiver in the league to being traded, then getting released, and then getting released again, and now he might not ever play in the NFL. It's, it's crazy to see what happened to the guy. You know, if he needs some help, I hope he gets it, and uh, I agree. I don't think he plays again in the NFL. I think he tries out the XFL, to be honest. We'll see what happens. Um, And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with him. Uh, Next topic, real quick again, I want to talk about Jalen Ramsey. You know, he had the little – he said he had the flu. I personally believe him. I think it's weird timing, but the doctors go and check him out, and if he was lying, it would be kind of embarrassing for his team doctors to go and check him out and find out he's not sick and he's just uh, being a liar. So I believe him, but what do you guys think? Do you guys think he's faking it? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say faking it, but it's getting to the point to where he asked, he asked for out. He had the, uh, the altercation with uh, head coach Doug Monroe, couple weeks ago on the sidelines, it's clear that the guy wants out. Now, if I'm Jacksonville, I'm sending him out. The guy is a ultra-rare talent, but he's a distraction. Comes into training camp in the back of a Brinks truck talking about, show me the money. You're here to play football, man. Play football. And if you're not going to play football, let's go. Let's move on. Get some first-round picks, and hopefully we bring some people in that do. Yeah, I think this starts at the top. I don't believe that Tom Coughlin wants to keep Jalen Ramsey on the Jaguars. I think he cleared the air with Doug Marone. I think he he likes that um, feeling of being in Florida, having um, come from Florida State. But honestly, he wants to win. And so with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, and although they look good on that Thursday night, it was a, it was a sloppy game. And so I, I don't see it working out long term, but I don't believe he gets traded this season. I believe it'll be an off season. Uh, um, in the off season, he'll get moved, but I don't believe it happens now. But eventually, that relationship with Tom Coughlin will be the reason why he's not a Jaguar. It's going to ultimately be one of those things where a team in the draft is looking at a player, and that player they're really looking at is gone. Boom! Let's call up Jacksonville, see if we can move this first round pick and pick up an All Pro cornerback like Jalen Ramsey, like you were just saying. Okay, so you guys both think he makes it to the end of the year and uh, gets traded in the offseason. Okay, okay. 
Uh, so next topic I want to talk about really quickly. Uh, this one's near and dear to my heart. It hurts a little bit. Saquon Barkley going down with the ankle sprain. And he go, he's going to be out at least four weeks. Might be eight weeks. The guy's a freak of nature, so I'm leaning towards four because he's just that type of guy that he looks like he could do some Adrian Peterson, some LeBron James type stuff and heal up pretty quick. Uh, I'm hoping for my team's sake because, you know, I want to make sure that he's always there. Um, so I hope he comes back quick. Uh, do you guys think the Giants can survive without him for the next four to eight weeks if he's out for the full eight weeks? Now, Saquon is a B-A-L-L-A baller. Hands down, the man's a football player. You want him on your team ASAP 100% as soon as possible. So if I'm New York, I'm monitoring his progression as much as possible. The second him and the doctors say he's ready to go, boom, he's in. Now, what doesn't help Daniel Jones with this is Saquon going down when Daniel Jones looked like he could be the heir to the throne, so to speak. So they need to get everybody back at 100% so we can ride out and see if Daniel Jones is the real deal or if they need to keep looking for other options. Yeah, I think with Saquon's injury, um, this is a generational talent. Although coming out of the draft, I wasn't as high on him as everyone else is. He's a phenomenal athlete. You cannot deny his size, speed, and strength all in one co combo uh, of a running back. I just I don't know if it translates to football success. Um, yes, the stats would say otherwise. But when I say football success, does this guy... Um, not that he doesn't hold himself well, because he definitely does. And from that, from that aspect, I love Saquon. But if I'm the Giants and you believe this is a key role to your success as a team, you let this high ankle sprain go eight weeks, regardless of your record. You give him the rest that he needs, because if he starts having ankle problems in his second year, you will, you will waste his rookie contract, and you're going to have to pay him regardless. You're not going to trade him, um, but you definitely don't want him – rehabbing and going in because once you limp into a season you limp out of a season so i really think they should take this as long as they can play the safe side no matter if they get over 500 or not and yes they'll probably be at 500 after they play washington this week but the reality is the giants will be lucky to go seven and nine eight and eight this year regardless of saquon's injury or not so i keep them out the full eight weeks um in my opinion okay i could see it yeah i mean the injury could be very big because it's his ankle. Uh, I guess we just got to see how Barkley feels, and let us, I guess he'll let us know if he's ready or not after four weeks or if he wants to take some some longer amount of time. All right, so let's just stay on the injury, injury train here. Um, Cam Newton, he has already been ruled out for the next week, so his injury is looking kind of serious. Uh, do you guys think that he's going to be out much longer and that if uh, Allen keeps performing the way he's performing that he did the first week, if he keeps doing this, do you think the Panthers try to move on from him? Now, I don't know if you guys remember this commercial, the NFL Play 60 commercial. With all due respect to Cam Newton and his mother, I think we might have found uh, Cam Newton's mom's new favorite player. Kyle <laughs> Allen, was, uh, he was throwing that ball. He was doing his thing. And uh, ultimately, came down to it, he, he, he played football. He looked like a quarterback, and if you guys remember back in Texas A&M, he had that one game after uh, Johnny Manziel was gone that had everybody thinking this was this was this was the new this was the new guy. He was it, 
and then after some transfers and ending up with the ending up going undrafted, I believe, and now starting for the Panthers, that added a new spark. He had the arm. The arm was live. He was afraid. He wasn't afraid to throw the ball. wasn't afraid to try to put it in the tight windows. And that's what they need. You got CMC going. Got Kyle Allen throwing the ball around the field. And boom, the, the Panthers looked like serious, like something serious this week that they did not look against Tampa Bay with Cam Newton at quarterback. Yeah, I think you give Cam the time he needs. I think we're seeing a trend in the NFL with quarterbacks, um, especially the franchise ones, especially the ones that have been uh, first-round picks, the ones that have the contract for the team. You take your time. You do not rush Cam Newton back. Um, Cam Newton, contrary to popular belief, like he's a winner. You could tell me he's never completed over 61, 62% of his passes on a season. You could tell me the MVP season was a fluke going to the Super Bowl. But back then, there was no CMC. And so there's this, there's the team aspect that he, he has been known to put teams on his back, but he needs to be able to run the ball like he used to. And I think he's going to be more hesitant to do that if he's not fully healthy. Um, so I think the, the Panthers would be dumb if they did trade Cam Newton. You don't, you don't release a, a trade a player or release a player um, of that caliber, um, especially where he's at in his career. So I, if I'm the Panthers, I play it safe. Hopefully Kyle Allen can fill in the gap, but you don't bring him back until he's fully healthy, whether it's shoulder, foot, whatever, and you bring him back only then. Well, we see here that Gio is uh... – Stay out as long as you need, buddies. Get get your health get your health down, and uh, we'll we'll, well, we'll invite well, Austin, you back when you're ready. We had a Saturday. We were so excited. Miami Hurricanes, Florida Gators in Orlando to kick off the college football season, and we didn't even care of how great of a game that was, because the biggest news of that day was Andrew Luck retired during a preseason game. That is the new trend in the NFL: is guys getting rushed back. The management, the doctors, whomever, we see this across all sport platforms. We see this in the NBA. Hey, superstar, get back out. Hey, superstar, get back out there. We need you. We need to sell tickets. We need to put butts in seats. And the reality is if these guys are not right, they are not capable to perform to the to the talents that you've seen them perform at before. So they need to be careful with these players. Yeah, true. Like like you mentioned, basketball, Kevin Durant, famous example. Exactly. And NBA Finals, so he, th- he thinks he was rushed back. Oh, you know, oh it's an like, ankle, it's this. No, he grabbed for his Achilles. Like, he, he looked back, that's a typical reaction, but yeah, off topic. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's get back to football. This is the weekly football trio cast, <laughs> not the weekly basketball trio cast. So we'll uh, we'll uh, stick to some football here. And a uh, quick, quick thing before we move on to the next segment. I just want to shout out Nelson Aguilar. He got trashed on the web. Guy... I don't know the full story, but the guy pretty much saved some people, I believe is what it was. He helped some people out of a building. I think it was on fire, something like that. I didn't look at the full story, but he said, well, I was catching them, unlike Nelson Aguilar, throwing a shot at Nelson Aguilar for dropping those balls. But Nelson Aguilar, very class act, said, hey, you're the real hero, man. You save these people. You you know, you help save these people. Uh, let me invite you and your family to a game. I just wanted to shout him out, you know, say that was a good deed by him. See, now, Nelson Aguilar, that's a class act, the way he went about that. But to be trash like that on Twitter after an eight-reception, 50-yard, and two-touchdown game, that's that's typical Philly for you. That's yep. typical Philly for you right there. He's going to put two touchdowns with, I believe, D-Jax and um, Alshon Jeffrey both out, stepped up big time, two touchdowns, and then, boom, still getting trashed on Twitter and still had, a, you know, 
enough man about him to be respectful and invite the man and his family out to the Philly game. Well, you know, you know how it is. It's you could have 15 catches, 200 yards, three touchdowns, but if you drop the game-winning touchdown, you're going to get trash. Philly's but the ultimate. So- what are you doing for me now, City? They mm-hmm. don't care. That's why they're quick on that Carson Wentz bandwagon. Real quick to get off of it too. Yeah, you know, it's uh, Philly fans are interesting. We, me and Gio, know them too well. Uh, but anyways, yes. uh, let's move on to recapping Week Three. So, first game of the the week was the Thursday night uh, showdown. It was it was it was just a be- beautiful game. Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Tennessee Titans. Man, you knew this game was bad when the Titan fans were on Twitter calling for Ryan Tannehill. You know <laughs> that's an issue right there. I'm looking at the stats right now. You had Marcus Mariota, 23 of 40 for 304, and like no touchdowns, no interceptions, nothing. They couldn't get anything going, only 91 rushing yards as a team. I mean, Jacksonville's defense is good, but when you're getting beat out by Uncle Rico on the other side at quarterback, there's some uh, there's some evaluation that needs to be done on your team. Yeah, this was Minshew's night. He came out hot, completed um, a high percentage of passes, especially the, the first 15 plays that were scripted. He played at a high level, and um, that really helped them get the lead. And from there, they didn't look back. I mean, Tennessee can't move the ball. They are putting themselves in third and 12, third and 15, third and 18 constantly. They can't do that. And the offense needs to run through Derrick Henry, and you know he couldn't get it going on the ground. And so that led to a very boring game basically from the second quarter on. Derrick Henry is 6'3", 246 pounds, and just I think he hit top speed last year on that 99-yard touchdown run at like 20-something miles per hour. He averaged 2.6 yards a carry. And Marcus Mariota was sacked nine times for 55 yards. Yep. That Tennessee Titans O-line is struggling very, very, very hard without their leader, Taylor Luan, serving his four-game suspension for the PED substance abuse. Yeah, so it was a pretty boring game. You know, Mitchell's becoming a fan favorite pretty quickly. Uh, I like the guy. He's pretty cool. His, his dad's a fan favorite as well, those biceps. You guys seen those biceps on that guy? Oh, man, I'm telling you, he looks like he lifts the house on that one. Fans fans love this guy. Uh, so let's move on to the next game. We got Bills versus Bengals. The Bills won 21-17. to uh, Bills are quiet 3-0. They, they played the Giants, the Jets, and the Bengals, who have one win combined, so... I wouldn't look too far into how good the Bills are doing, but they find a way to win the game. That's what matters. I was going to win say, a game. That's what matters. That's exactly why they're very overlooked. Three and zero. You named those three teams they faced, and this isn't the Giants. They didn't play the Giants with Daniel Jones. They played it with Eli Manning. Whole different ball game. Whole different team right there. You know, you got the running back at quarterback and Josh Allen, and the ageless wonder Frank Gore still. 5.4 yards of carry and a touchdown. But ultimately, it all comes down to exactly what you said. Who wins the game? Doesn't matter if it's ugly or pretty. All that matters at the end of the game, obviously, who has more points on the scoreboard? 
Yeah, this defense is, I think, the most underrated part of the team because a lot of the times, if you look at field position, um, which all teams that go to the playoffs are usually understand how to win field position, and um, the New England Patriots, a lot of teams that uh, utilize this part of the game to their one of their strengths, this is a team that puts them in negative situations, but the defense has been able to still stand up and hold. So that's been crucial for the Bills to get to 3-0. If you remember, I mean, going into the second half, they were down 14, 15 points and had a goose egg on the on the scoreboard. And then uh, some plays were made. John Brown got open and uh, scored. And so I think as they learn to actually get ahead of the sticks and really learn to convert those shorter third downs, they'll put their defense in, in even a better situation. And you're going to see this Bills defense really start to grow as we get into the colder months and the, and the more difficult games. But that defense will only play as well as the offense helps them win the uh, game of field position. That's going to be huge for Buffalo to uh, try to become a uh, winning team. Yeah, and Buffalo will get their test this weekend coming up against the Patriots. So, Battle of the three and oh, somebody's gonna walk away with a loss, and maybe New England might get surprised. We'll see. Uh, next game of the week, it's the battle of the Cowboys versus the Trash Fins. I'm gonna let you guys take it away since it's a Dolphins fan and a Cowboys fan. You guys take it away, say whatever you want about your teams. Go, I'll tell you what, with the way the Dolphins played in the first half, I was content with how it was, because ultimately, if you look at it, they honestly could have been leading that game if it wasn't for drops in the first half. They they were holding on defense. They were holding their own. Offense moved the ball a little bit. Rosen added some life to that team. Ultimately, though, as bad as it sounds, I'm very happy they lost that football game. Let's tank for Tua, baby. Let's get a quarterback of the future. Let's get it going. Yeah, I think this game came down to the team that said, all right, no Moss, no more. And Dallas basically uh, going into halftime had to have been thinking, why is this game so close? And as as a fan watching but trying to stay objective, I mean, even on the interception, you hear in the, in the post-game conference, Dak is saying, I went through all three reads three times. And so that's a situation where – he just said, I saw two guys and threw the ball up. And so they got greedy. Um, Dallas took some shots that they shouldn't have taken. And so you come out in the third quarter, and for the guy that a lot of pundits say can't throw, he went 9 for 9 for over 100 yards and, and started heating up, hit Amari for the touchdown, threw in a tight window. And at that point, it was Zeke and the Tony Pollard show combining for over 220 yards, and uh, that pretty much sealed the deal. But um, for the Dolphins – I, I think they need to keep some playmakers. You don't get rid of Xavier Howard. You don't get rid of Devontae Parker. You got him on a cheap deal after paying him uh, for being a first-round pick. Uh, he had a great one-hand catch against Chidobe Awuzie in this game. But all in all, I was impressed by how the defense held, especially in the red zone, um, definitely forcing some long field goals, which their kicker missed, and that benefited Dallas in field position. Yeah, if you look at it, Xavier Howard – you cannot cover for as long as he had to, especially exactly. like Amari Cooper. You're giving Dak. Dak said, I was thinking about Wendy's spicy chicken nuggets in the middle of plays. I guess crazy. He had that much time to throw the football. So Xavier Howard ultimately got frustrated, yep. out of character, reacted to something, got his ejection. That is the one person on the team that is absolutely untouchable. Now I say that. But a couple weeks ago, 
I was telling Austin that Laramie Tunsil is untouchable, and look what happened. So in the direction of the way the Dolphins are moving, you got to keep someone. You just signed Jakeem Grant to a very big contract that right now doesn't look warranted, but you got X on the big contract, long-term, young, very, very, very young and very talented superstar. You keep him. You tell him, relax. I'm bringing out a, I'm bringing out a basketball quote here. Trust the process and actually make moves to have him trust that process. Yeah, and Albert Wilson needs to see the field at some point. He needs to get healthy because they gave him a three. Uh, he's making over eight, nine million dollars a year. I believe it was a three-year, twenty-four million dollar deal. And so we got to see these players' uh, contracts not be underutilized as well as much as them tanking for a quarterback. Hey, you're just telling about. You were just talking about earlier. Let's wait till he's healthy. Wait till he's healthy. Let's let's wait till that hip's healthy. Uh, we're way. talking about let's Cam let's Newton, let's and we're talking about rush. Albert Wilson. We're talking about <laughs> Saquon Barkley, and we're talking about Albert Wilson. Let's not forget the same <laughs> Albert Wilson that at the point last year where he went down for the year was, I'm pretty sure, first or top five in the league at yard per catch. It was up there for touchdown receptions. If this guy stays healthy, he's a playmaker that makes things happen. We just haven't been able to see him in this system as frequently as we'd like to. Yeah, um, you guys said it all. I just have a quick question. Did he really say that about the spicy nuggets? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I could just imagine. He's like, hike. He's just standing there like, I wonder what I'm going to have after the game. I think I might get some Wendy spicy nuggets. Oh, look, he Cooper's said, open. Whoop. In his head, spicy nuggets are back is what went through <laughs> his head, he said, while he's in the pocket. He's prepared for that advertisement. He's trying to get the spicy nuggets advertisement. But anyways, let's move on to the next game. This pick was Gio's upset pick. He picked the Broncos to beat the Packers. But Packers ended up winning 27-16, to 16, and that defense is the true story of the Packers. You have Aaron freaking Rodgers as your quarterback, but the defense is the star of the team. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, definitely uh, swung and missed on this one. I don't think anyone would have taken Denver. Um, I thought they would play hard and uh, have a lot of effort at Lambeau. Vic Fangio had coached in the NFC North. He knows that team, and honestly, there wasn't too much to be impressed by with the Green Bay offense. They had a lot of short fields. If you look at the rushing, Aaron Jones didn't get any yards. He just got two touchdowns. You look at Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he had that one connection. He did the classic Aaron Rodgers. Oh, they're offsides. Let me throw it down the field, and MVS, boom, touchdown for Valdez Scantling. But Devontae Adams, four targets. Four targets. If you're a fantasy fan, that makes you want to throw up. This guy was taken in the first round of fantasy drafts. But even for this team to succeed and score points against the what would look like dead-in-the-water Broncos, the reason why this game didn't get out of hand is because Green Bay couldn't capitalize on the errors that Denver was making. They put the ball on the ground multiple times. So if you're going to do that and give them a short field, they're going to convert in the red zone more times than not. But there was a lot left to be desired for the Green Bay Packers offense, and we still haven't seen a game where they put it all together. Granted, the defense is playing well, but um, they've been in good situations. Again, field position is very key. And in this game, it was about the turnover uh, battle and uh, them converting in the red zone. There were six sacks by the Packers' defense, all of which were made by players that were not on the Packers last season. Three by Preston Smith that was signed as a free agent from Washington. Two from Zadarian Smith, who came over from Baltimore. 
And then you had one from the rookie, his first career, career sack, Rayshon Grary from Michigan. Now, if you would have told me before the season that the most impressive unit on Green Bay would have been their defense, I'd still be laughing. But, man, they are balling. You have a good corner on the outside in Jerry Al- Jari Alexander. You added these two pass rushers via free agency. You draft Rayshon Gary. And now everything seems to be coming together. If you give a defense that can hold people under 20 points and Aaron Rodgers finally decides to go back to his MVP form and catch fire and he targets Devontae Adams more, this could be a serious contender in the NFC. Yeah, I say uh, this week you might see that Packers offense get back to form because they play the Eagles defense. And last time I checked, the Eagles pass defense is not very good. It's one of the bottoms in the league. And just... Maybe that offense might do something this week and show up this week, and Aaron Rodgers might put up 350 passing yards, four touchdowns. We'll see what happens. Um, next game on the list, Colts versus Falcons. Colts won 27-24. I had to watch that game because that was just the game that was on my local network. And uh, the Colts impressed me. They, uh, you know, losing Andrew Luck hurt them a little bit, but... Jacoby Brissett is a pretty good QB, and I kind of knew this. I knew Brissett wasn't no scrub-a-lub. But going against the Falcons, I thought the Falcons would be redeemed this year, but they're not looking too hot. Neal went down with an injury again. Speaking of that, he got penalized for throwing his helmet after he got hurt. And, you know, I in the moment, I uh, completely understand. I wish the refs wouldn't have penalized him, but I know rules are rules, and they got to follow him, but... What do you guys think of the game? I don't know. That's that's a bogus penalty. You have a player coming off uh, ACL tear last year that made him lose his whole season. Now players know when something big happens to their bodies. He felt his Achilles go. Frustration got him. Took his helmet off and slammed it in frustration. And to get a flag from that, that's that's awful officiating. You you got to understand this is their livelihood. They're going out there to provide through their families by playing football. And if their body gives out on them, that's paychecks and that's food off the table for their families, clothes off the backs. You got to understand that that's you got to make you got to be better NFL. You got to be better. But as far as the game aspect goes, Jacoby Brissett is looking like the truth. He's coming out there. He only has one he's protecting the ball. That's the biggest thing is protecting the ball. The whole point, the end, the end objective of a play is to end up with the ball in your hands. Not the defense is in yours. He's turned the ball over himself one time on an interception as opposed to a seven or eight touchdowns. You protect that. You keep that ratio. You're going to win football games. Atlanta has not looked good. The only team they picked it up against was Philly. was also not looking too good. So Indianapolis doesn't know they, they've skipped a beat after losing their leader and Andrew Luck, which Kobe Brissett stepping up he, big time. Yeah, I think Atlanta wants to get back to running the football, and it still looks difficult for them to loosen the chains on Devontae Freeman. Uh, Whether this is a health issue uh, or not, I I don't think it is. I see the burst when he catches a pass and he tries to cut up field. It's definitely an offensive line issue. Uh, Matt Ryan needs to be more careful with the ball, opposite of Jacoby Brissett, and you got to get Calvin Ridley involved in this offense early. He just had a very down game, a catch or two, maybe a few targets. I think it was three targets 
that's not enough for his playmaker. And, you know, they're, they're, they've been a second-half team most of this year. They're starting very slow. So I think what it comes down to is Dan Quinn, who is a defensive coach, needs to figure out, okay, get with the offense, get with the coordinators, and how can we script a better 15 to 20 plays to start the game? Because that is where they're struggling. It seems like once they make the adjustments, they're moving the ball. Their third down conversion percentage almost doubles. So this team needs to figure out how do we start fast and start early. Yeah, um, I think the Falcons still have a chance to be better. Uh, but as of now, they're just looking a little rough. Matt Ryan's not playing too well. He's throwing a lot of interceptions. Pretty sure he leads the league. Um, and unless he improves his performance, I don't see it. the Falcons doing what I thought they would do. I thought they uh, they were my pick to be the team to go from first or worst to first and just take over take over the NFC again like they did two years ago. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't have much faith in that at the moment. But, you know, it's a week-to-week well, game. Maybe next week they'll look pretty good. Here's the good thing for them is they play in the NFC South with Tampa Bay, Carolina and their backup quarterback, and New Orleans and their backup quarterback. So it's going to come down to eventually <laughs> someone's got to play football. True, true. All right, so next game, the game of the week in my eyes. Kansas City Chiefs versus the Ravens, 33-28. to Kansas City got the W. Uh, it started off pretty good, or actually not pretty good. It was a pretty defensive battle, 6-0 after the end of the first quarter. But then the Chiefs, like they did the week before in the second quarter, just took off. Patrick Mahomes looks unbelievable. That catch by, uh, who was it, Robinson in the corner with the one hand, and then the, the, the bomb to uh, Hardman. Um, that I mean, this guy is just incredible. He, every week he's doing something crazy, and he just he just makes it look effortless. But Ravens also look pretty good. Mark Ingram is just killing it for them. Three touchdowns, 103 yards, and uh, Lamar Jackson is just uh, he's a great runner. He's he's looking like a better passer each each week. And they said before this game that this could be the next Brady versus Manning, Bird versus Magic. It, it could be that good for years to come because they're both so young and they're talented. And what are your guys' opinions? Do you think this could be the next Brady versus Manning? Absolutely. I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now forming in the AFC. You have these two quarterbacks, very young, very mobile, and they get throw the damn ball. So they are doing exactly what they need to do. And I feel like with the defense on Baltimore and just the sheer force that is on offense for Kansas City, they are going to be forces for years to come, barring injuries. And that handshake we saw at midfield at the end of the game could be something we're looking back on in years, talking about that was the first of many key matchups between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, this was a great game to watch. Um my also game of the week, I think what we wanted to see was on that third down, could they get a stop and could Baltimore get the ball back? Because um, that would have given the offense a chance. They were starting to roll there, um, scored some points late, and that's what we really wanted to see at the end of that game. Get credit to Kansas City doing what they were uh, supposed to do, closing out that game on third down at home. And, uh, yeah, you got to give it to Patrick Mahomes in that offense. They didn't turn the ball over. They didn't give Lamar – 
and Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews uh, extra opportunities. And so when they kept the ball away, it became very difficult if they didn't convert third downs for them to get another possession. And that was the thing for Baltimore. They needed at least one more possession to have a chance to um, either tie the game or win it um, at the end of regulation. But I think what we're seeing is a lack of communication, especially on the road. I love Baltimore's defense moving forward. But as the captain back there, Earl Thomas, and everybody underneath, they got to communicate because there were some blown coverages where guys shouldn't be that wide open. I know it's hard to stop Kansas City and all the speed that they have. Um, but remember, Tyreek Hill is coming back at some point. So you cannot blow coverage coverages against a team like this. And that was the case with uh, a couple of those huge plays that they had. Um, because re- the reality is, if you can drop coverage and, and, and really – understand what to do with a free safety um, like Earl Thomas, and you got corners, veteran-savvy corners who can play against some of these receivers, um, Kansas City hasn't shown that they can run the ball efficiently and effectively, um, and we never know every week who it's going to be. And so I, I have trouble seeing Kansas City when we come t- time to postseason, um, them relying on someone to take the ball 19, 20, 21 times and run it and run it effectively. Yeah, you get a pop play here or there from Daryl Williams or LaShawn McCoy, but we don't know if he's going to make it through an entire season. Every week someone makes their way on the injury report. Um, from the Baltimore side of things, I was impressed what I saw from Lamar for most of the game. Some of those throws he probably wishes he could have back, but, man, this is going to be great for years to come. So I do agree with that assessment. We're going to see this in the AFC um, going forward, and these games are always going to be this way, always exciting, probably in the – 20s to 30 point range it's going to be great should be fun so on to the next game uh we got minnesota versus the raiders uh not not even close minnesota just ran away with it 34 to 14 uh dalvin cook looks great he is back to full form um can't say much about oakland except waller the baller 13 catches 134 yards on my fantasy bench by the way on your bench uh, I I'm playing him every week from here on out. Sorry, McDonald, you lost your spot in the starting lineup. Waller's taking it. That's the only good thing I could say about Oakland this week. And Minnesota looks good. They lost the Packers last week, but you know you only play the Packers twice. Maybe you can avoid them in the postseason. Um, do you guys have anything nice to say about this game? It really wasn't an exciting game. The yeah, Raiders. I think they're... Go ahead, Nathan. Oh, okay. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook, we, like you said, he looks like Dalvin Cook. Um, this is a guy coming out that they moved up for. They said, hey, what he did at Florida State, what he did with Jameis, this is he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, he can run. He can run between the tackles. If you were listening to the audio of this game, you heard hits because he's not afraid of contact. And that's what I love about this Minnesota uh, offensive line and this run game is they want to run it run it and run it some more. And and anytime that they do that off the play action, that's where Kirk Cousins is going to excel. Don't have Kirk Cousins throw 30, 35 times a game because he's going to throw it to the team in the other jersey. And so the reason why Minnesota has been so successful is because if Kirk Cousins completes 13, 10, 14, 18 passes and keeps it at a low volume, Adam Thielen's going to create separation. Stephon Diggs will get loose off of a play action pass and score a 75-yard bomb touchdown. Because he can, he can run after the catch. So Minnesota is doing exactly what they should be doing in all kinds of games. Stick to the script. That is the key for Minnesota. Yes, in Oakland, Derek Carr does not want to throw the ball more than 20 yards down the field. It's the Darren Waller show, and I'm, I'm happy for this dude. I'm glad that he's balling. And uh, that's pretty much all there is to say about uh, Darren Waller and the Oakland Raiders because that's all that they could do. 
The Raiders are not a good football team whatsoever right now. You have two first-round picks on your defensive line and Colin Farrell and Arden Key pass rushing, and they didn't generate a single sack against the Minnesota Viking offensive line that has been shaky for the past couple of years. You can't win games if you can't force turnovers. You can't force pressures. You can't get a quarterback like Kirk Cousins rattled. If you can't do that, you're not going to win. And being in a division where you play Phillip Rivers, Patrick Mahomes, and, I mean, even Joe Flacco, if you can't get any of those quarterbacks rattled, you can't put pressure on them, you're going to be in for a very long season. And, uh, man, man, Mr. Gruden is not looking like he's doing a good job right now over in Oakland. Now it's going to be rough. I mean, it started off rough before the season even started, and uh, it's just getting worse. Best part about their season, though, Hard Knocks was pretty good. I'll admit it. I watched it. I had fun watching it. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that was a the, great show. Might be the best part of their season. But the next game, Patriots versus Jets, there's there's really not much to say. Patriots did what they were going to do. They went in there, beat the third-string quarterback for the Jets. I I don't even have anything good to say about either team, really. I mean, Patriots did what they were supposed to do. Jets are doing what they're supposed to do with third-string quarterback, and defensive players are hurt, and I just feel bad for the Jets, man. You know, they were excited going into the year, and luckily they can't lose next week. They have their bye week, so can't really lose if you're not playing. But well, do you guys have any? You guys have anything good to say about this game? It was also one of those other boring games of the week. This is going to be quick for me. Not sold on New England whatsoever. I'm sorry. I know my friends and the viewers from the New England area that listen to this aren't going to like it. Yes, Tom Brady's the GOAT. Yes, they might be Super Bowl favorites. I'm not sold. You played the Steelers, the Jets, and the Dolphins, who all have no wins right now. Not sold. You get a test this week in Buffalo. Even then, not sold. Got to see what you do against someone like Kansas City, L.A., Baltimore. Right now, New England, not sold. Yeah, it's funny. I'm going to have to agree, but to an extent. Um, the reason why I'm not sold is not because, obviously, Tom Brady and not because even the Antonio Brown stuff. The New England's a team that says, oh, it's over. We move forward. We move on. On to Cincinnati, as Bill Belichick would say. Um this is a team that I see going very far, winning a minimum 12 games based upon schedule and reputation, honestly. But the concern for me is what's going on with the run game. Sony Michelle is getting the ball maybe seven, eight times and rushing for 11 yards. This is a problem. They are not efficient right now in the run game. And yes, they run through the air, so to speak, with their little dump offs to uh, Rex Burkhead, James White. Um, this week they didn't have James White due to his uh, wife going into labor, but that's going to become an issue against teams that have smaller, faster defenses. So they better get ready for that because they're going to have to run the ball. Um, and I haven't seen that happen. That's a big reason why they made it as far as they did last year. Sony Michelle could have been voted MVP of the playoffs. So I'm worried about the efficiency in the run game, and we definitely need to see that improve or else they will struggle as they face some of the better teams. But overall, the Jets seem to get Sam Darnold back. They're not going anywhere this year, um, but they definitely need to create some chemistry between him and Robbie Anderson, him and Jamison Crowder, him and Le'Veon Bell, and see what they can do just to uh, get ready and build on to next year. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have much more to say about that. Let's just move on to the next one. 
Uh, the undefeated Lions, 2-0-1. Who would have thought the Lions would be undefeated? Taking out the Eagles, 27-24. to Eagles are supposed to be better than 1-2. They're looking a little rough. But I don't have much to say about the gameplay too much. Uh, both teams look pretty solid. They had a nice 100-yard kickoff return on the Detroit side. I just want to talk about one thing in particular. Miles Sanders almost had his head ripped off. That guy grabbed his face mask, twisted his helmet off his body, and when his helmet came off, Daniel, uh, I was about to say Daniel, Miles Sanders had his head turned all the way around looking like a damn owl, and they didn't even call a flag. What are they doing? What are they looking at? Yeah, was that, was, that, was, that, was a bad, that was a very, very bad call. My boy almost had his head ripped off. What are they looking at? <laughs> but anyways, that's 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 all I gotta say. That really ticked me off because it's just like you talk about player safety, and this guy almost got his head twisted all the way around, and the referees are like, "Oh man, Dak Prescott says something about spicy nuggets. I, I think I want some spicy nuggets." Oh wait, uh, oh he's down on contact. Uh, yeah, I, th- I was paying attention. I promise. Yeah, I think again. Okay, so Carson Wentz at home. These fans are going to get super impatient if they aren't already. The offensive line was voted by most groupings to be at least, if not the best, um, in the top three at least. So um, Pro Football Focus had them rated amongst the highest of offensive line units in the league. Uh, We need to see them play cohesively together to see if Carson uh, can stand upright in the pocket, deliver throws on time. And yes, they have had injuries uh, to their to their skill position players in in Djax and in Alshon Jeffrey. Um, my biggest takeaway from this game is Darius Slay, cornerback for the Detroit Lions. He just has Carson Wentz's number. Um, I don't think I think it was uh, either his rookie year or the year before that, um, or the year before or his rookie year that he picked him off to end a game um, in Detroit. And so Darius Slay just has Carson Wentz's number for some reason. It's kind of like those weird things that happen in the NFL where one team just can't get over the hump over another. Uh, he em- he ended this game in similar fashion, put it away, and the Lions were able to hold on for a victory on the road. But um, Darius Slay is a baller. People don't talk about him enough. He's definitely a corner that deserves some recognition. Um, he's not one of your uh, bigger uh, corners in the league, but I definitely think he plays uh, bigger than he is, and I really appreciate seeing him get after it. Yeah, the running game, the running game in this in this game for both sides was just awful. You got to combine like maybe 200 yards, and then you see a team like Dallas go for over 200 by themselves. The O line for Philly just doesn't look good. Uh, you still, uh, we thought Kerryon Johnson was going to be the answer in Detroit, and so far it doesn't look to be. So uh, this this game, this was another game that just for me, I just. I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't. It wasn't. The, fit, the energy didn't seem like it was there. I'm flicking back and forth, and I'm just like, eh. Like it's not one of those football games that makes you want to sit down and get into it because you had that one play where it looked like the the play from uh from the longest yard where all the run they did the ole and let the D line go and there was four people on top of Carson once sacking him in the backfield, and that's just the kind of stuff. It's just one of those games where. It looks like, as much as it pains me to say, it looks like Dallas might be the the uh, the runaways in the NFC East with this division this year. Yeah, it's, uh, I had more faith in the Eagles as well because they have a pretty good team, but they're like the Falcons to me. And funny enough, they played each other last week. But 
they just need to get something going. Otherwise, they're just going to keep going down the wrong direction. But they play Green Bay this week, and uh, we'll see if they can uh, take down the undefeated Packers. The Lions uh, are going to the Lions are going to face uh, a heavy task this week with how bad their defense has been, and they get uh, they get Kansas City in Arrowhead, I believe. So, uh, no, no, my mistake. They're in in Detroit, but either way, you got Kansas City in a dome. No weather effects with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, they might face. They might have a long day. Yeah, might might be losing that undefeated streak, but we'll see what happens. Um, next game: Panthers versus Cardinals. Panthers one thirty-eight to twenty. The struggles for Mister Murray continues. Uh, McCaffrey got back to it, one hundred fifty-three yards rushing and a touchdown after he struggled against the Bucks. But that's not even the story of the day. Kyle Allen, four touchdowns, nineteen for twenty-six, two hundred sixty-one yards. He came in there and said, I'm going to throw four touchdowns. I'm going to try and keep this job unless he's a good guy and just said, you know what, Cam Newton, I'll hold it down until you come back and I'll, I'll take the bench spot again. But keep playing like this and you might have yourself a QB battle by the time Cam Newton comes back. What do you guys think? There I is, think uh, there is no nice guys in football. Nice guys finish last, especially in a league dominated by playing the quarterbacks. You have this 23-year-old kid in there. If they could find some way to get Cam Newton's money off the books and pay this young kid who got signed as an undrafted free agent, that's exactly what they're going to do. Kyle Allen has to show that he's real deal. If you can come back next week and throw another four touchdowns, keep the ball in Carolina's hands, keep handing it to CMC, let him get going, find him on checkdowns, whatever, I think the Cam Newton era – and uh, Carolina's over, run with, and uh, pass the torch, Cam. Yeah, I think Allen's uh, success really started with targeting the tight end, which in Cam's MVP years and Cam's really good years, it started with Greg Olson. Whenever he's not having a foot problem or a neck problem or a back problem and he's on the field, the Carolina Panthers produce. And this is what Allen needed was Greg Olson going off. But it really helps when you're facing the Arizona Cardinals because – I think no matter what tight end uh, faces the Arizona Cardinals, you're going to win that game. If we look back to week one, TJ Hawkinson went nuts for a rookie tight end. I think that's one of the best games a rookie tight end has ever had in NFL history. Oh, and then week two, you get the Ravens. Mark Andrews, balls out of control. This past week, Greg Olson, open all, all day in the red zone, uh, in between the 20s. I mean, this was a game that was pretty much all through the tight end, so... Whoever they're playing next week, uh, Seattle, fire up your Will Disley because he's going to ball out. Yeah, uh, sa- save that take though for the for the end. You know, when the fantasy, you want to you want to throw in a little bit yeah, of Will yeah. in there. Go for it. I'm but not giving all I, the analytic part of it, but I'm just saying this is this is why Allen was so successful. Any any team that can funnel their offense through running the ball, which CMC did very efficiently. And then the tight end, it opens up everything else. It's the underneath stuff. It's the easy throws. Can you make the reads and get it to the open guy? And what better weapon to have than a healthy Greg Olson right now? And so that's really – they had a good game plan, and that's why they scored as many points as they did and because they're facing Arizona. Yeah. Uh, next game on the list, Houston Texans versus the L.A. Chargers, 27-20. Texans won the game. Um, Deshaun Watson – Got back to it. 351 yards, three touchdowns. That's what we think he could do. Uh, the game was rather def- 
defensive at some points where I didn't think this game would get to 27-20. But secret big day for Keenan Allen. 13 catches, 183 yards, and two touchdowns. I didn't even know he did that. That's that's monster stats. And that went that he only got 20 points out of that. That's that, that's crazy. I think it's because of the run game, because I just looked the leading rusher in the game was 36 yards. That's between both teams, by the way. When your leading rusher only has 36 yards, that's bad. Well, you look at how both of these teams are set up and how they're built, it's to throw the ball. You have Austin Eckler over in uh, L.A. who catches the ball very well, almost as good as any running back in the league. And then on Houston's side, you got Duke Johnson, who made himself known even back in his U.M. days for catching the football out of the backfield and making things happen. Got a defensive battle. L.A. was one of the top five teams in total defense last year. Texans weren't too far behind. You know, you, I, I'm not going to lie. I was crossing my fingers hoping that L.A. could pull it out just for, you know, draft picks. But um, you see there, you got Phillip Rivers. He, 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 it always seems when it comes down to quarterback versus quarterback, big-time quarterback versus big-time quarterback, Philip Rivers just can't elevate his team to get over that hump. Yeah, go back to the 14-2 season where they lost to New England in the AFC Championship game. They lost to them again. I think he lost to Peyton Manning at times, too. When it comes down to big marquee quarterback matchups, Philip Rivers elevates his game, but it always seems that he lands flat on his face and always ends up going down. Yeah, I think both teams uh, at certain points in the game look like the better team. And so this is just one of those NFL games where it goes back and forth, back and forth. And could anyone guard Keenan Allen? Because if I wasn't, every time I looked up at the screen, I'm like, all Phillip Rivers sees is Keenan Allen. He he hikes the ball and says, 13, where are you? And he throws it anywhere in his direction. And most times Keenan Allen catches it. I don't know what, I don't know the statistics. He may have had over 20 targets. It's incredible. Uh, the amount of times that he gets he gets the ball thrown to him. But definitely a game that the Chargers uh, wanted to win, especially being at home. And so I think they're going to struggle now because they do have Kansas City in their division. So they're going to be uh, fighting and, and, and trying to get back into the mix with them. They do get to play them twice, so that's good for them. But, yeah, it was good to see Houston rebound and to play tough. And I think Deshaun Watson, the more and more he stays within the pocket, plays within the game, you'll see the talent. It's not an issue of that because even when he was at Clemson, when he didn't put himself in harm's way, he made the plays. He's more than capable with his arm and his legs to make the plays. It's when he holds the ball too long and doesn't play within the script and he goes off script that uh, he gets himself in trouble. So I really hope he stays healthy. This is a guy that the NFL needs to uh, be on the field every Sunday, Monday and Thursday. So, um, yeah, I I think my takeaway is just these two teams are going to win over nine games. It's just a matter of how are they going to get to those um, uh, winning seasons. At least the Chargers will get a win next week. They play the Dolphins, so uh, guarantee fire up your Mike Williams. Fire up your Mike Williams. They better be two and two after next week, otherwise they're going to be in some trouble. Uh, next game: uh, 49ers versus Steelers. Uh, 49ers are also a quiet three and zero. They haven't played the best of teams as well. Uh, but they look pretty good. They have a solid run game. Garoppolo's healthy, looking good. But underrated on that team, that defense. Defense is pretty good. I say watch out for the Niners. They're a, they're a sneaky 3-0. I say do not watch out for the Niners. 
Jimmy Garoppolo has been throwing the ball to the other team, turning the ball over, making ill-advised throws. The only reason they got the win this week was because it was against Pittsburgh and Mason Rudolph. Big Ben's healthy in that game. Not a chance Jimmy Garoppolo runs away with it. Quick note I want to talk on. Welcome to Pittsburgh, Minka Fitzpatrick. First game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Had an interception. I believe he forced to recover a fumble. Yes. Made some tackles and some big plays. Man, I'll tell you, as a Dolphin fan, I hate to see him go, but I love to watch him leave and go to a team that's currently 0-3 right now. Give us that draft pick to a Jerry Judy, Miami, 2020, baby. Yeah, I think I, that pretty much sums it up in terms of what happened in the game with Jimmy saying, here, Steelers, you want to win it? Are you sure you don't? Are you, are you not? Okay, so they kept going back and forth to this because they can't protect the ball. Um, they keep they don't have a uh, steady process in, in how they're using all their backs. And although this works for Kyle Shanahan, I think what they're really going to take off is when Tevin Coleman comes back. I think you're going to see a team that looks more well-rounded. They're putting the ball in Jimmy's hands too much to throw it, but they are using all their backs. I think Tevin Coleman will bring stability to that process in the backfield and not be such a running back by committee, although they still will do that. Tevin uh, could take the load. I think that's what they envisioned for him, but he has to come back healthy. Luckily, they get back on the bye week. I think you're going to see George Kittle um, start performing at a higher level. And I'm not saying that I'm not buying in but or that I'm, or that I'm sold on them, but I will say they're a team that's going to challenge the Rams and the Seahawks. I think this may be a division this year like the NFC East has been for many years where they all beat up on each other and um, – they're going to be in the mix. I think with that, with the defense and, and Sherman, they're going to be in the mix. All right. Uh, next game on the list, Saints versus Seahawks. Uh, Saints won 33 to 27. Um, Saints looked impressive. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater didn't play all that amazing, but he played solid enough. It was the defense that really won them the game. I think they had a punt return and a pick six or fumble return for a touchdown, one of the two. Um, so defense really helped out the Saints and and Russell Wilson out of nowhere, 406 passing yards and two touchdowns and kept the game pretty close. Uh, Seattle's an interesting team for me. Uh, they look pretty good. I think this loss was very unfortunate, but I think the Seahawks are doing some pretty solid things. They're they're finding ways to win games. Uh, well, the first two at least. Um, but what do, you, what do you guys think about uh, the Saints without Drew Brees' first game? Do not be sold. Do not be fooled by any means by what the score says. This game was not close. Was not close. The only reason it reflects that way was because Russell Wilson, on an untimed down to end the game, found the tight end for a last-second score to bring it within seven. Other than that, New Orleans dominated the game defensively. We had the first kick return of the NFL season earlier in the the Lions-Eagles game, and we had the first punt return for a touchdown this season during this game. Now, Sean Payton said uh, the gentleman that scored that touchdown, I can't remember his name right now, was it uh, Deontay, Deontay Harris? Yes, that every time he touches the ball, you should look towards the end zone because that's just how quick he is, how explosive he is. And Sean Payton says in any way this kid gets the ball, he could be in the end zone in the blink of an eye. But Seattle's defense, they're definitely way past their Legion of Boom era. Bobby Wagner is the only bright spot being everywhere on that field. They can't cover anybody. They can't make tackles in the backfield. 
with their 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 they just don't look good. The NFC West is wide open right now for anybody. The Rams could take it. If the Seahawks want to go ahead and bump up and start playing football, they could take it. Even if Kyler Murray and uh, Cliff Kingsbury over in Arizona want to start going ahead and playing some football and developing, progressing well, they could win that division. That division's wide open. They did not. Seattle does not look good. New Orleans, they're still going to struggle. The only reason that I have faith for them, like I said earlier, it's the NFC South and the division's wide open with how bad everybody's been playing. Yeah, I think being in Seattle, uh, the Saints definitely have to feel good about themselves coming out with a win. I think this had to do with the non-offensive touchdowns. I mean, you had a a punt return for a touchdown. It was a short punt because they had a punt basically out of their own uh, end zone. And then you had the fumble recovery for a touchdown in which this time the refs held their whistles and did not blow them because Chris Carson did indeed fumble. So the storyline for Seattle leaving this game is, they're getting huge plays, and this is now three times in as many games that Chris Carson has has fumbled the ball. Um, Pete Carroll is a player's coach. After the game, he said, we still believe in Chris. We know what he's capable of, and I think they're going to stick with him. I think they're going to ride with him, but the best news Seattle could get is next up on the docket is the Arizona Cardinals. I think Chris Carson gets back to what he does, and, and Tyler Hotlocket, he's probably the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL at his size and frame, he had double-digit touchdowns a year ago. This guy's on pace for more yards and more touchdowns already. You could say garbage time. You could say this or that. But the reason why Seattle was behind the eight ball was when you give up two uh, non-offensive touchdowns and that ruins the amount of possessions you get and then where you're at on the field, that 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 leads to usually a score being very lopsided. So Seattle fought back, but ultimately – I'm not sold on Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm not sold on anybody besides Alvin Kamara. It's almost a cheat code. The first person never tackles Alvin Kamara. It is something beautiful to watch, and I enjoy watching it more this season, except for this upcoming Sunday night. Yeah, I like that you brought up garbage time, because a lot of people like to say, oh, they did that in garbage time, whatever. But at the end of the season, when you look up stats, is there going to be an asterisk that says 12 catches, 200 yards, and three touchdowns in garbage time? Garbage time. No, no it's just going to be a part of his stats at the end of the year. But I'll take this next one, boys. The G-Man, Danny Dimes, is here. Oh, it's time. <laughs> oh, Eli, boy. I'm oh, sorry. Boy. I love you, Eli, but this is what we needed. This guy can run the ball. As you could tell, two rushing touchdowns. Eli wouldn't have done that. Eli wouldn't have ran up the middle and scored. Vanilla Eli. Vic. Vanilla yeah. Vic. And then also on the bootleg, Eli could have done the bootleg because, you know, I've, I've seen him do the bootleg. But that touchdown at the end of the game where he ran up the middle, the seas parted. It was wide open. I could have ran through the hole and scored a touchdown there. This is what the Giants needed. I'm happy that we won the game. But let's be honest, two missed extra points and missed field at the game. We probably should have lost. But guess what? We didn't. Danny Dimes is undefeated. One no. We're going 14-2, and we're going to the Super Bowl, baby. All right. So we'll chalk that up as the biggest overreaction of the football season right there. But what I'm going to talk about has nothing to do with Saquon Barkley, has nothing to do with Daniel Jones. It has everything to do with Shaquille Barrett. This guy signed a contract in the offseason. One of his incentives was $250,000 for achieving eight sacks. 
It is week three, and he received that bonus today. This man has eight sacks in week three, and he is one of my people to watch as far as record-breaking go. He's on pace. I don't even know how much. I think he's on pace for 40-something sacks. Not going to happen completely unrealistic, but Michael Strahan's sack record is definitely within his vision. He can achieve it. And as well, quick another quick record, record watch to keep an eye on that I forgot to mention earlier. Patrick Mahomes is now on pace to break uh, Peyton Manning's single-season passing yard record by over 1,000 yards. Just completely absurd and completely unheard of. Daniel Jones looked good. Um, definitely there's more to, to see here. You want to see what he looks like against a division opponent. You want to see what he looks like once he gets to play a home game. Um, but give credit where credit is due, and he definitely made some throws that were similar to the ones he made in the preseason. He's definitely uh, a, he he processes information really quickly. So as they build around him, Golden Tate's going to come back. Um, I've mentioned that prior, and I think you have a guy who should be playing wide receiver at the tight end position. Evan Ingram is a monster, proved it once again. But yes, when it comes to the win-loss record, you're going to look back and say, yeah, this, this was Tampa lost it more than the Giants won it. But like I said, you've got to give credit like I did to Kyler Murray in week one for battling back against the Lions in his first game ever and not quitting, not giving up. And he came back and uh, it ended in a win for Daniel Jones and not a tie. So I give credit where credit is due. Um, for Tampa, Bruce Arians, um, you know, this offense is – is playing well. Mike Evans went off. I mean, they're getting the running backs involved. Ronald Jones finally had a good game. Um, and what is the problem? It's the same problem that has been year after year after year, and that is can they kick the ball through the upright? And that is not Tampa's forte. And so they're going to struggle going forward if they can't resolve the kicking game. And most games for Tampa are going to be close, and it's going to come down to a kick here and a kick there. So if they can't blow teams out, they're they're gonna lose a lot of close games due to this due to the same issue they've always had. Yeah, and I'll admit I overreacted, but you know I'm a Giants fan. And I gotta get happy for my team because we won a game, and Daniel Jones looks great. But let's move on from that. Even though I could talk about that for another 15 minutes. Uh, Rams versus Browns. Rams won 20 to 13. Oh my god. I picked- I picked that as my game of the week, and it did not turn out very well. Browns don't look all that impressive, and the Rams are 3-0, and but they also don't look all that impressive. Um, which which team between the two do you think has a better chance to prove what they're really supposed to be doing with talent? Because I just think either team right now is not living up to their hype. And Which one of these teams would you guys choose for the rest of the year? If I had to pick one or the other, I'm going L.A. They've already proved it. They already showed. They got to the Super Bowl last year. They did it. I am so disappointed and so tired about hearing about Cleveland Browns and their talent level. You have Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt when he comes off suspension, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, uh, David Njoku when he comes back from injury, and you're still struggling. You're still losing games and barely winning games that you should. The only team they beat so far this year is the Jets. And that was with third-string quarterback Luke Falcon. This team is struggling. They're not gonna beat they're not gonna beat Baltimore when they play Baltimore. They're they're gonna be 
I think wild card at the best, but I could honestly see them going six and ten, seven and nine, mediocre season. Freddie Kitchens is out, and they got to figure something else going on because that there they are the biggest disappointment of the season so far. Yeah, huge letdown on Sunday Night Football. Um, I definitely think this game gives credence to to fans who believe that NFL coaching matters. Where you put players and how you maximize their talent matters. And uh, in this game, you saw it all over the place. And now you see why the Bill Belichicks, the Andy Reeds, uh, the Mike McCarthy's, the Mike Tomlins, the Pete Carroll's, and... I have to say it because his winning percentage is high as much as I don't like to, but Jason Garrett, the reality is these coaches get to the postseason for a reason. And I don't see Freddie Kitchens getting in the mix with the Sean McVay's and and the names that I mentioned. Fourth and nine and you run a draw? It was the most questionable play call of the night. You get down to the five and you throw it not once, not twice, not three times, but all four times and you don't have a, you know your offensive line's been struggling against this D-line. You don't leave a back in. You don't put a tight end to help with the pressure. It just didn't make any sense. They were just trying to be flashy, trying to trying to win it on a one-hand catch, and you're going you're gonna to struggle if you do that. And so they can't – my concerns are for the Rams too, but I would pick them to uh, pick up the slack and really become a formidable opponent because of their success prior, but also because of Sean McVay. He deploys guys like Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. These guys are getting in positions, getting open, and making plays. You wouldn't even know much about Robert Woods if it wasn't for what Sean McVay does with him within the system. And uh, the biggest concern I have, why is Malcolm Brown running the ball to end the game? You, I did not understand that in the last years. You have Malcolm Brown on the field. Todd Gurley owners, in fantasy terms, have to be really worried. But this is a problem for the Rams' success moving forward because if Todd Gurley isn't right and can't handle the Rock twenty to twenty-five touches, because we got to see he, I mean, where's the screen game? It's disappeared. So yeah, they beat Cleveland, big win for them on the road. But there's some concerns to be had because if this team becomes pass dependent and pass happy, that is not Jared Goff's strength. He his strength really was formed out of running the ball with Todd Gurley, and we just haven't seen that yet. Yeah, Todd Gurley's is pretty disappointing so far, uh, but hopefully he can pick it back up. I know he's been struggling with injury, and uh, you know hopefully he can pick it back up and do Todd Gurley things like he did last year. Uh, but let's wrap up week three. Um, Bears beat the Redskins 31-15. to Game was a little closer than the score says. I would say the Redskins didn't look look all that terrible. They don't look great, but... I feel like they played a little bit better than people thought they would. Uh, Bears defense looks good once again. Trubisky played a little bit better. What, what do you What do you guys think about the the Bears win here? Man, it's this defense looks eighty five esque. They are there. They are. They get pressures, turnovers. When they get those turnovers, they're always always that possibility of heading to the house with it. And there's a reason why these Redskins fans were chanting for Dwayne Haskins. It's time, Case. You're not trying to win games. If the NFL has an investigation out for the Dolphins about being competitive, they got to have one for Washington because if your starting quarterback is Case Keenum, you're not trying to win football games. 
Yeah, I think that says it all with Washington. Chicago Bears side, they still have a lot to be concerned with Mitch Trubisky. I mean, a lot of his passes, guys are un, un, under open underneath for slant routes, and he's throwing it five yards above their head. Uh, his accuracy is an issue. Yeah, he hit Taylor Gabriel all over the field in this game, but again, against Washington, who's given up a lot of points to start the year, I think they're giving up over 30 on average, so that's an issue. But um, yeah, the defense, I mean, I think that says it all. They're taking it to the house when they do get it. And, and Bears management needs to be recognized as up there in the top echelon of management uh, in the NFL because give me – this isn't even a hot take. Give me Khalil Mack over Aaron Donald. Give me Khalil Mack over J.J. Watt. Give me Khalil Mack pretty much over any player right now because the things you see him do down in and down out, John Gruden made a mistake. I, I, I don't think I don't think the Cleon Farrell, I don't think uh, – Who's the safety they grabbed out of uh, Mississippi State? Uh, Jonathan Abrams. Who's Jonathan Abrams? Yeah. Okay, so you can't predict injuries, but like, this is a guy you don't trade away. Just how my take is on Cam Newton, you don't trade him away. I, on defense, This is he's wrecking football games. This is Lawrence Taylor-esque, if you, if you will. Um, this is incredible what they're doing. Uh, it was great to see HaHa get a, get a pick six. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the, the result of the game is the defense took it over. All right, that wraps up uh, week three review. Uh, Anthony's got to head out. He's got to be somewhere, so he's going to go ahead and drop off. Uh, if you want to go ahead and say goodbye for our episode one for you. So real quick, before I head out, I'm going to pick my game of the week, my upset of the week, and my three fantasy players, quarterback, wide receiver, and running back to look for. So my game of the week, really just talking about them, you got Minnesota, you got Chicago, you got the rivalry game, baby. That's exactly what you got going on. So you got, if I were the NFL, I move this game to Monday night because the Bengals and Steelers is not going to be a good one. It's not going to be a good one. My upset, my upset, I forgot which I had. I have, where was it? I have the Cardinals beating the Seahawks. Kyler Murray's going to go out there throw his touchdowns, run one in, and the Cardinals are going to beat the Seahawks by 10. And my three fantasy players, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, quarterback, got to go Phillip Rivers against the Dolphins. Running back, you got to go Austin Eckler against the Dolphins. Wide receiver, you got to go Keenan Allen against the (laughs) Dolphins. You got to. It's just very, very simple. You play the quarterback against the Dolphins every week to the end of the season, you're going to win your fantasy game, I promise. Got to head out. It was great being here for my first episode. It'll be the last time I have to head out early. Can't wait to be here next week, guys. See you then. See, See you, brother. All right. So he, uh, he's he gone ahead and left, but uh, we're not done yet. Me and Gio are now going to pick our games of the week and our uh, upset picks. Um, I'll go ahead and start it off. Uh, my game of the week is going to be Eagles-Packers. I know it's Thursday night. And the game of the week is going to be Thursday night for me. I think the Eagles bounce back this week. I think they're going to be like, you know what? We've been screwing around. We really need to pick it up. I think the Eagles go ahead. And also, my upset pick, game of the week and upset, same game. I think the Eagles upset the Packers, make them go down in the lost column, three to one. And then the Eagles uh, get a win, go two and two. So I say watch out for Thursday night. I really hope it's a good game. I think the Eagles could do it they start off first game on box for the their thursday night kickoff that they're going to be doing for like the rest of the year um game of the week 
and upset in the same game. Uh, what do you got, Gio? Yeah, I think that's um, – I was leaning that way at first, and now I heard your take, and I, I, I agree with it. I think we're going to need to see uh, the Eagles step it up. We're going to need to see um, them score points against a Green Bay defense that's been um, pretty stingy on giving up points. So that's a game to look out for. Um, my game of the week involves my Dallas Cowboys traveling to New Orleans. Uh, th- these games are pretty much always classics. They go to overtime um, more times than not in the recent memory. And so, yes, Drew Brees is out, but Alvin Kamara is still in in the dome on that fast grass. And I think Michael Thomas going up against Byron Jones, this is going to be a good matchup to watch. Um, Can Dallas establish the run? And so I'm really looking forward to this game. Um, I think it's going to have a little bit of everything that you want. Like last year, um, there wasn't a lot of points scored, but it was so defensive. This was Jalen Smith's coming out party and, defensively i think both teams have a lot to show so i'm looking forward to points i'm looking forward to some really big hits some big plays and new orleans trying to get a win at home and dallas trying to keep things rolling so that's my game of the week um i do have dallas winning that game um at 24 to 17 so that leads me to my upset pick now, it may not seem like an upset, but because they're coming off a loss in which they didn't score and the offense is still struggling, um, I'm going to go with the Titans traveling to Atlanta. Um, I like that they've had extra time off. I think Mike Vrabel is going to get this team ready. And Atlanta, again, has these slow starts. If they start slow again, the Titans are a team that when they get out to a lead, it's the Derrick Henry show. And so if indoors in a stadium that he has played in before – having been coming from the uh, the SEC and Bama. Um, this is in Atlanta. I think this is going to be a game where the Titans um, will definitely come in and make some noise if the Falcons can't figure it out early. So that's my upset is Titans on the road in Atlanta where it should be a get-right game for the Falcons. And then I have Cowboys winning on the road for my game of the week in New Orleans. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good pick there. Um I don't know if the Titans over the Falcons is, is a upset, but based off the line, uh, it is it is technically would be an upset. So, yeah, I, I guess your pick is an upset, but uh, Falcons don't look all that good, and it might not be that upsetting for the Titans to win. But uh, definitely, definitely good picks there for game of the week as as well. I like the Cowboys Saints, especially if Drew Brees was playing. That'd be even better for a game of the week. It would be. But let's wrap it up. Uh, let's do our fantasy quarterback, running back, and wide receiver of the week. I'm going to keep it in the Eagles-Packers game. I think uh, watch out for uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think he's going to pull up this week and just uh, put up over 350 yards. He's going to throw for like four touchdowns. He's going to tear that Eagles defense apart. But I hope the Eagles keep up with him. I don't want it to be a blowout because I do have it as my game of the week um, and upset. Uh, next, I'm going to go running back. I think James Conner, it's about time he gets his bounce back. He doesn't even have 100 yards rushing. This guy went second round in most people's fantasy drafts, and he doesn't even have 100 yards rushing as one touchdown. I know you feel that, Gio, because he's on your fantasy football team. So I think he bounces back this week and has his uh, breakout game of the week against the Bengals. I think he does it. You know, hopefully he does for your sake and everybody else who owns James Conner. And my uh, wide receiver pick of the week, it's against my team, but I know who's going to be guarding this guy, Janoris Jenkins. He cannot guard 
right now. I know Mike Evans is like two times the size of Janoris Jenkins. That's why Mike Evans did what he did. But Taylor McLaurin, if you got this guy, oh Terry, sorry, you're right. They call I don't they call him Terry, Scary Terry. I forgot they gave him that nickname this week. My bad. Um, Play him if you have him. He's going. He's probably going to be guarded by Jenkins. Don't be surprised if he puts up. 125 140 yards and two touchdowns or three touchdowns something like what mike evans did because if janoris jenkins is going to be guarding him actually anybody on the giants is going to be guarding him because they just can't guard anybody play him this week if you have him geo let me hear your picks yeah so at quarterback uh roll with jacoby Brissett at home they're playing the oakland raiders whether ty hilton plays in this game or or not, I think you can still roll with him. Uh, I think he'll be okay. T.Y. always has lingering injuries that he battles through and he gets back to the playing field. But Jacoby Brissett um, taking care of the ball, making plays. Uh, this offense is flowing through him. They get the ground going, uh, ground game going with Marlon Mack, but definitely he's my uh, stream of the week, a guy you can probably pick up on waivers if you're not in a deep league. So definitely look at Jacoby Brissett playing against Oakland this week. Uh, wide receiver, I mentioned this earlier. I alluded to it. Fire up your Mike Williams. I think this is going to be a game where they focus so much on the game tape from last week because the Dolphins really just have to take this game by game at this moment. And they're going to see, okay, Keenan Allen, okay, Keenan Allen. There's going to be a lot of focus on Keenan Allen as well as Austin Eckler. But the mountain of a man in Mike Williams you cannot forget about is going to be leaping and jumping and catching touchdowns. They're going to be in the red zone because the offense for the Dolphins is going to turn the ball over. They're going to get sacked. They're going to have bad field position. So when they're on the 50-yard line and in, there's going to be quite a few targets in the red zone for Mike Williams. Look for him to create some big plays. Maybe even catch a screen pass, get a stiff arm, and 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 run the rest of the way against the Dolphins defense that's always out of position on, on too many plays for an NFL team. But uh, that's the Dolphins' uh, state of mind and where they're at right now. So th- that's my uh, quarterback, wide receiver, and for running back, this may make Austin a little happy, but it has a lot to do with them being at home. It has a lot to do with them facing Washington. I think that Washington is going to want to make an effort to make Daniel Jones look bad, and in doing so, Wayne Gallman Jr. I think is going to get the rock and I think he's going to do some stuff with it. I think he's going to break a bunch of big runs. He's certainly not going to let Giants fans forget about Saquon, but against Washington and at home in East Rutherford, I think Wayne Gallman is a guy, again, I'm talking about guys you could probably snag off the, the waiver wire, put in your lineup. If you're struggling at running back, you're going to want to have him this week um, going forward. I don't know, but definitely this week against Washington, fire him up. All right, and that's going to do it, everybody. That is episode two of the weekly football trio cast, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, next week, we'll be coming at you with a new episode, and like like I said last week, if you guys have any sort of uh, comments you guys want to leave, like I said, I don't know if the website has any comments still because we didn't necessarily get a comment, so I don't know if they have any comments, but if you guys can leave any sort of suggestions or, or critiques or if you guys just want to maybe chime in on something we talked about, Please feel free to do that. Um, any final words, Gio? Thank you guys for listening. Uh, this is still a work in progress. Thank you for being a part of this process. That is the weekly football trio cast with myself, with Austin, and with Anthony. We appreciate your listens. Um, thank you for bearing with us as we work out some technical difficulties. But this is exciting. We're entering the last week of the first quarter of the NFL season. 
A lot has happened. A lot is to be determined. Stick with us on the weekly football trio cast. See you guys.